Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. God bless you this morning. We give the Lord praise this morning. Give him glory. Give him honor. Thank you for joining with us this morning. Amen. This is Pastors Lester and Sharon Hayes here this morning. Greet all of you in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's just good news this morning to know that he's still sitting on the throne this morning. No one has voted him out, cast him out, gotten rid of him. He remains King of kings and Lord of lords forever. Amen. From the beginning all the way to the never-ending eternity, he is God. And besides him, there is no other this morning. So we serve an awesome and amazing, incredible God this morning. We come in his name this morning, Jesus, just to make known our adoration and love toward our Father today, who is the Father of all living this morning. Amen. He may not get his credit and recognize, be recognized as Father, but he is our Heavenly Father this morning. And he's waiting on those who have not yet come to make a decision to turn to him. Amen. That's why he's long-suffering patient and kind. He's waiting. He's hoping that we preachers will preach the gospel. We teachers will teach the gospel because it is the only gospel that can save people. Amen. It is the living word of God that will convict. It is the truth of God that sanctifies. Amen. And, 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 and you know, consecrates us, sanctifies us unto the Lord because that is the truth. Amen. His word. Amen. That has been sent to free us. And if the son who is the way, the truth, and the life. If he frees us, then we're free indeed. So amen. So we give God praise, Lord, and honor this morning, on this Thursday morning, November the 18th, right a week or so in front of Thanksgiving. But we're thanking God today for life and health and strength, for his many, many benefits and blessings, for what he's already done, what he's doing, and what he's promised to do. Amen. We have a future, amen, and a hope, a future and a hope, because the Lord has some thoughts, amen, before the foundation of the world. And he said, I know my thoughts. And long as he know his thoughts, remember, he pl applies the word to everything he does concerning mankind. And we're learning how to be like him as he is, so are we in the earth, according to the book of First John chapter 4, verse 17. So we're learning how important it is that if it was important for him to apply the word, then it's important for us to apply the word. We're not going to get the results that he planned for us, that future and that hope, unless we learn to apply the word to everything that pertains to life and godliness. Because he said in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, the King James Bible, I know my thoughts toward you. I thought them before you ever came to be. You know, I ain't changed my thoughts toward you. They're still good. They're not evil. That didn't come from me. Amen. That came from Satan, your adversary, who's going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour, trying to kill, still destroy you. But I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So my thoughts toward you are thoughts of peace. Amen. To, to, to bring you to an expected end that you might have a hope and a future. So we're planning for our future every morning when we come on this line. We're preparing for our future because we have brighter days ahead. Amen. We'll, we'll build them back better. You know, amen. I love that theme that the, that the country is embracing right now. The new president said we're building back better. Amen. Yes. We're building back spiritually better than what we were before. 
We were sitting in churches of, on the tradition of men, amen. But God brought us out and he shared some truth with us and it made us free. Yes. And now we'll build them back better, amen. We'll build them back better where we were torn and scorned and where we were broken down, where we were, where we were sick. We'll build them back better. It will build them back healthier and more wealthier, amen, because our health is our wealth. And we have these building blocks called the scriptures, the word of God that is now good for our flesh like a medicine and good for our bones, make us strong like marrow. And so we have so much to be thankful and grateful for this morning. Amen. So you all stand by this morning. Let us get into these revelations of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, we're going to pick up our study this morning uh, in the book of 1 John. But let us pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come this morning, just to pray the way you taught the disciples to pray, this, this corporate universal prayer that fits all of us, our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debt towards. He does not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is your kingdom, the power and the glory. It all belongs to you, Father. So we thank you this morning, Holy Spirit, for leading, guiding, and walking us through this teaching this morning, shining light on all these wonderful revelations that we're about to learn and partake of. Let them yield the, 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 the result that God intended when he gave this word, when he inspired John to write this letter, to write this word. Let we may be able to continue, amen, letting the gospel remain in us as we prepare to pass this test, as we prepare to dispel the misconceptions of men out there that teach false doctrines, that, you know, the doctrine of devils, the antichrist, the, the real deceivers, the ministers of the doctrine of devils, that we dispel and denounce those teachings, O oh Lord God, that we may be able to let this gospel remain in us, that we may continue to be free people, sealed, healed, filled, Lord God, walking in the victory that you have given us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we thank you, Lord, for what we're about to learn, what we're about to hear, what we're about to receive and understand and know that we can apply it to our lives as we walk by faith and not by sight. We thank you now for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so again, this morning, amen, we're going to be in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse, uh, we're going to verse 20, finish up verse 24 and hopefully get down to verse 25. We got started on verse 24 the other day and got about halfway through our list of reference scriptures. Amen. So we're going to try to get a little bit further today. And uh, remember, there were seven tests that proved who that we know him. Amen. Kind of like who we are, you know, that proves that we know Jesus Christ. Amen. It says it's important today that people who profess Jesus <coughs> be able to prove that they know him. Not so much through saying I know him or even calling his name, mm -hmm. but how how we live our lives before people. How we live our lives before God more than people because it's important that God approves of our life. He approves of what we do. Amen. And people come after God, That's you know, right. amen. Because they can bear witness and give testimony to how they receive what we said. Amen. If they receive it to a point as being authentic and fallible, the word of God, then they know too now that we have proven to them that we know God. Now, we just giving them a bunch of gibberish and a bunch of stuff, man. You know, I call it fillers, just making up stuff to try to sound authentic. You know, then people can be misled by that. They can be deceived by that. Amen. Which is a lot of the spirit that's out there right now, that spirit of deception. It sounds really, really ceremonial, sanctimonial and all that. 
But then when you look at the life of those who are saying those things, they're not living what they're preaching and teaching. Amen. And I won't get into calling any names or pointing any fingers other than just going after the spirit that's out there. It's the spirit of deception. Amen. Real deceivers are out there. Amen. The Antichrist is out there. I'm just going to call them and categorize them with the scripture says, you know, and I'm not going to put my personal little tag on it because that doesn't benefit my hearers. But what the word says is what benefits you. So you will know what spirit you're dealing with. So it's the spirit of the Antichrist, the, 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 the spirit of deception, because there are real deceivers out there and also ministers of the doctrine of devils. That, that's the category that we're dealing with right there. Amen. And so we're letting the gospel remain in us. Amen. Not so much what they do to us, but what we become through what they do to us. Jesus became a glorified savior because they crucified him. But the real story be told, the real history be told, he came to die because he came to pay the price that the father required for us to be reconciled back to him. So that's the real true story. So when you see these things going on, there is a, a, there is a real revelation behind it. There are prophecies that were foretold that are being fulfilled. That's the lesson we want to learn right there. You know, we don't want to focus so much on what that person is doing, this person is doing. We're in a spiritual battle. And until we address these spirits, we're always going to be fighting flesh and blood. We're always going to be calling out flesh and blood. But see, let's call out the spirits that the scripture calls out. And, and that's what we want to teach the people. What spirit are you up against? Teaching them how to fight these spiritual battles by knowing and recognizing who your enemy is, who's laboring among you, you know, what spirit is out there operating, you know, functioning in your midst, you know, deceiving people. If it's a spirit of deception, call it a spirit of deception. If it's a lying spirit, call it a lying spirit. That's what the scripture does. And that's what we should do. This is why this test six is so important. It brings us in line with the gospel. It says, letting the gospel remain in you. You know, not all the false stuff, all the, let the gospel remain in you. So that once we've stated what spirit we're dealing with, we're warring against, we're fighting against. Now I got to let the people know what gospel is in me. And sometimes letting them know what spirit is, is operating is letting, that's the gospel that's in us. The gospel identifies the spirit. Sometimes we like to put our own the personal tag on it, call them names and all that. That don't, that don't move God. It may impress me that I came up with that or I said that or I thought that sounded so deep and all that. But if it ain't biblical, it don't mean nothing. It carries no weight before God. But when you repeat what the scripture says and God remembers what the scripture said. And a lot of time we are told we put God in remembrance of his word because he watched over his word to perform it. I, I want to say a little something about that because putting God in remembrance of his word is not for God. It's for us. Because he see, remember, we're proving that we know him. And when we put him in remembrance of his word, it's telling him that I know what you said. So it benefits us. It benefits us. Not him, but us. Okay? Because that's all he's going he gonna, to uh, watch over and perform anyway. So the benefit is for us. Amen. Amen. And so we thank the Lord this morning. Amen. So I want to run over here real quick. There's some... Uh, some things that I wanted to to go over, amen, that I told you about the other day in my comments, and it was a word called iniquity, and I want to deal with this word just for clear understanding before we get back into uh, verse 24. This all ties in 
but uh, it was a word that Pastor Eric used the other day, and we hear it a lot of times. So I, I like to look things up, amen, because the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, verse 16, the King James Bible, and here's why this is so important. When we find words in the Bible, we want to be able to explore those words, hopefully to find those words, especially when they are not common to a lot of people. Uh, I don't want to glass over it. We want to make sure they understand because sometimes we say sin and iniquity are the same thing. And they basically are. But in the Bible, it uses sin and then it uses iniquity in certain settings. And so we want to be able to make the transition to from one to the other so it don't throw anybody off. So the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, King James, the Bible says, I found thy words were found and I did eat them and they have and they was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. And so when we find these words, they're supposed to be a joy and a rejoicing to us. And so when you hear a word like sin and iniquity, it may sound like that's counterintuitive because there ain't no rejoicing in that. It is when you know what you're dealing with. See, a lot of times we take the word as the part that benefits us to make us feel good, but we don't take the part that warns us about what's out there that don't make us feel good, you know, so that we can stay away from it. And so it's like a two-edged sword. And so when I looked up this word uh, in the Webster's Dictionary, and I'm going to define it in the Webster's 2, because I know that's where a lot of people go when they find words, so I'm going to do it for you. It says in the, in the Webster's, the word iniquity means gross injustice, the wickedness of sin. Not just sin, but the wickedness of sin. Uh, the Bible says that though one man, Adam, sin, okay, entered into the world, we know this from the story of the Bible about Adam and Eve in the garden. Okay, so we know that. But it didn't say that iniquity entered in. It said sin entered in because sin is missing the mark. That one thing that separates us from the God, from God. But gross iniquity, that takes that makes it worse than just that, that sin. You know, it, it, it's, it's wicked. It's like the lowest uh, uh, ugliness of sin. The wickedness of sin, okay? A good example of of iniquity is the definition of iniquity is a sin or wrongdoing. An example of an iniquity is someone running into another person with their car on purpose. Mm -hmm. On purpose. See, they had sin in their heart when they knew they were going to do it. Mm -hmm. But then it it, it fell to another low degree. They ran into them on purpose. Like somebody killing somebody. Like this kid is on trial right now. He knew what he went down there with that assault weapon to do. And then he did it, premeditated it. So it went to another level. It's one thing to show up there, and if you attack, you defend yourself. But if you go there with all intentions to kill somebody, then that's another level of, of wickedness. A wicked, unjust, or unrighteous act. Deviation from what is right. Wickedness. Gross injustice. And so... How does this affect the relationship that we supposed to have with God? It says, our injustices have separated us from God. And there is a passage of scripture in the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verse 2, the King James Bible that brings that out, and I'll read that in a minute. God must now relate to us as our righteous judge instead of our loving father. See, that's how it affects our relationship Uh, When we are not rightly related to God, our ability to properly relate to people is damaged. 
That's why it's hard. they're having a hard time right now. That's why people are outside the courtroom protesting. That's why there are other people trying to say, ah, oh, he was a young 17-year-old. He didn't know what he was doing. It affects our relationship to relate to each other. And I got a feeling some ugliness, some real injustice and wickedness getting ready to come out of this if that trial don't go the way some people think it should go and other people think it should go. You can kind of see it mounting up. So the root of iniquity is interesting. Iniquity comes from a Latin word combining this prefix is in a word called not and a word called aequius, which means equal or just. So iniquity literally means not just, okay? Iniquity can also be used to say that something lacks moral or spiritual principles, okay? Uh, as a noun, the difference between wickedness and iniquity is this, is that wickedness is the state of being wicked, evil disposition, immorality, while iniquity is a deviation from what is right, wickedness, and it has gross injustice as a result. Uh, so the meaning of, of the word iniquity uh, can be a blessing, you know, if it, if it alerts you ahead of time, if it warns you ahead of time, okay, uh, and not after the fact, okay? So iniquity, again, is gross injustice, wickedness, a wicked act of, uh, or, or thing, uh, you know, it's just totally the lowest part of a sin, okay? Okay. Uh, Sometimes um, it's just, it, it makes us unfit for the presence of God. You know, it's just, just it's, it's horrible. You know, there's no way of getting around it. Amen. It's, it's, it's evil. And so let me just read out the book of Isaiah. I told you I read this scripture. Uh, I, book of Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 4. I said verse 2, but let me read 1 through 4. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins, see it says iniquity first, and sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. Wow. It's a lot said in this passage of scripture, y'all. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Now, that's a lot said in that verse. If you think about some of the scenarios and situations that are going on right now, I'm talking about across the board government these people three trials going on right now a man just got censured yesterday making a threat with a cartoon to kill somebody in the president so when you look at all these things predicated off of a lie that was sewn into the into this process a while back look at how this lie has grown in the hope the stronghold that it is set up in our process of government right now and now it is carried over into young 17 year old mindsets that's right you know, people think they can just do whatever. Then there's three men right now said that they chased a man down for jogging, tracked him down, haunted him, premeditated. They knew what they were going to do. Why carry the shotgun if you don't mean to kill somebody? Wickedness. Wickedness. The lowest level of sin. 
So we see these iniquities and it is separating the world every time one of these acts take place and people go out and try to justify it and try to plead their case and say that they're justified in what they did. That's just going lower and lower into immorality, injustice, separating us more and more away from God. You know, it's very, very obvious, you know, what is taking place there. Amen. So we're going to get back over here. I just couldn't pass up uh, that opportunity to distinguish between the two so that people would know the difference when we talk about iniquity and we relate it to sin, that it is a, another level of, of sin, really the wickedness of sin uh, is what we just learned. Amen. And so let's get over here to verse 24 now and continue to go through this uh, with a good understanding now as we talk about certain things that we're talking about them with a clear understanding. And the whole key to get around this is letting the gospel remain in us. Yes. And the gospel also lets us know so that we don't freak out and go get our gun and want to retaliate. That's what that young man did. That's what those people did. You know, they could have called the law and let the law be the law. But no, they didn't stop there. They didn't stop with just sin, you know, wanting to do something. They went and did it. And that's what makes it an, an iniquity. It says, let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the son and in the father. Amen. And we said that this is a test. What is this test? Does the gospel remain in us? Period. You know, okay, what's going on around us? I don't care what they look like, how suspicious they look. If you are a Christian, then you have to let the gospel override and overrule all those ill feelings about people. That's why, see, sometimes we can't get our focus so on people that we start judging. We start criticizing because you have to remember now, if we judge people, we're being judged. Judgment is like that. If you judge, you're going to be judged. And you don't want nobody judging you, so let's not judge. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to say verse, it's either verse 5 or 20, it says, judge nothing before it's time. I think it's verse 20. Judge nothing before it's time. You know, we're not here to judge. You know, if anything, let us judge ourselves. You know, let us examine ourselves. You know, because we can miss it on that. Um, and it says, you know, that's the test of the gospel remaining in us. How do we know the gospel remain in us? It's the fruit we bear. It's the life we live. And we have to live who we are. If we say we saved, then let's live saved. Mm -hmm. If we say we've been delivered, let's live delivered. Let's not go back into the traps and the bondage and, you know, get into the critical. It's okay sometimes to be critical. We can't help it. But when you're, when you're overcritical, I mean, everything you do is criticizing. Everybody you see, you're finding something wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's okay. I mean, don't don't keep on pulling toothpicks out of people's eye and ignore the two by four in ours. You know, that's scripture, too. You know, I was thinking yesterday when I heard somebody say something on the news. I said, well, you need to clean around your own back door. Come on. Man was giving a, a, a response to what he did, you know, on the floor of the Senate. And I said, well, you just, if you take care of what's around your door, you won't have to worry about what those people in the, in the chambers are doing. Mm -hmm. Just came out like that because we say that. That's what we say a lot of times. We, there's a song that my brother used to sing in church. 
to sweep around your own back door, you know, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? He's going to sweep around his own back door, you know, you know. And so it's very clear, you know, that, you know, we have to live who we are. <clears throat> and it says the message we heard from the beginning ought to be enough. If you think about it, if you date it, if we heard it from the beginning, it's probably because it was with God in the beginning. Remember what we said? God applies his word to everything he does. Before he gives us his word, he's already tested and tried it and proven it. Okay, remember, Jesus was the word incarnated, made flesh. Well, before it became incarnated, made flesh, the word was with God and the word was God. Okay, and the word is God. Yes. Now, you have to remember what that word did. He spoke a word and things were created. He said, let there be light. There was light. So see, God was applying his word to darkness even before there was any light. He kept speaking his word into existence. Mm. And so we have to keep speaking God's word into existence. Yes. But how can we, if the word, if we're not, how can we speak the word into existence with any hope of a, of a, of a, of a, a better day? If we're not letting it abide in us, we speak it, but we ain't speaking it because it abides in us. We're just grabbing it for the moment because I got I, I got to I got to do something. I got to say something. You know, I'm scheduled to do this. I'm scheduled to do that. So I got to be ready. So then we grab the word. But see, if we eating this word daily and we hiding it in our hearts, we're not just doing it because we're asked to do it or we're tasked to do it. No, this got to become our, our life. The word is life. The word is light. The word is our strength. The word is our hope. The word is the promises that God gave us. The word is laced with the benefits. Mm -hmm. And this is why we said, God, your word was found. Jeremiah said, God, your word. Jeremiah was getting ready to make a huge mistake. He was running. He was trying to get away from God who had called him from his mother's womb. He running away from his purpose. Separating himself from God. What a, what a gross sin. Mm -hmm. To run from God when he has chosen you and called you. Mm -hmm. Like you know what's best for you besides him. And there's a lot out there that spirit is separating a lot of people out there on a falsehood. You know? And so he's saying, let, let, let my message abide in you. Let it, let it remain in you, you know, you know, because, you know, it was from the beginning applied. So it has to be applied on the way to the end because it's in the beginning. It's right now. And it's going to be there in the end because in the end, the word is what's going to judge us. The same word that's applied now is going to apply to my eternal salvation. Where I'm going to spend eternity. He's going to open up that book. And if my name is not written in there with, that, in there with the word, then he's going to say, you know, be, be, be separate from me. Be, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I knew you not. I don't know you now. I didn't know you then. You know, it's, it's very clear and it's very simple. So as you see it, the message we heard from the beginning, it's going to be the same message we hear in the end because that's going to be a new beginning in a new place, a new heaven, a new earth. God ain't going to create no new message. He's going to create a new heaven, a new earth. But his word is not going to pass away. You're going to hear it now. You're going to hear it from now on. And you're going to hear it then. Mm -hmm. 
You know, that's not going to pass away. And he said the condition is this. The mess, I mean, the message must remain in us. That's the one thing that's not going to pass away that has to remain in us. And it helps us to endure to the end. It's got to remain in us, though. We can't change it just because some situations pop up. The result is this. We will continue abiding in Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Okay? So let's get down here now. I think we stopped the last scripture that we went over um, the uh, other day. Uh, we were down here. Uh, I want to say verses First um, Corinthians 6 and 17, if I'm not mistaken. No, let me get a little further down here. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where we, uh, hold up, hold up. Yeah, where we stopped at there. Yeah, we, we the last verse we went over was in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 4, the King James Bible. So we're going to pick up, uh, again, continuing to uh, talk about letting the gospel remain in us. And we're going to pick up our next reference scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 15, the King James Bible. Now, it says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? And it says, Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. So now what he's saying here is this. Okay, now we're talking about letting the word of God dwelling us. The message don't change. So, it's saying here that I got to know that my body, number one, it, it only has one purpose. And that is to be a temple for God to live in. Now, there's other life that goes on in my body. But the life that's more important is the life that Christ creates, that Christ gives. You know, and, and, and maintaining it in a way so that he can come and live in, in this temple too, by his spirit. But if I put so much other stuff that's unimportant to, 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 uh, to my temple being maintained for his presence, then it says, you know, what I've done is like I've treated myself like um, I'm open for business for a harlot. And we know what a harlot, what do you mean when he says harlot? This is what caused uh, Israel to be separated from him because they start living like and acting like a harlot. And he divorced them like a harlot. And a harlot is one who's open for business for anybody. You got, a, you got the right amount of money. You can come in and have your way with me. You can do whatever. And this is what he's saying. You can't do whatever with your body. You can't sell your body. You can't be sleeping around with your body. You can't just abuse your body. You can't just do any and everything with your body. It'll be destroyed, you know, especially if you are letting the gospel message dwell there. You know, that's the light. And it can't be no darkness in there with light. Because when the entrance of the word comes in, according to the book of Psalm chapter 119, I think verse, uh, verse 105, when, when, the, when the light comes in, it's supposed to eliminate and drive darkness out. But if I decide to try to hold on to darkness, you know, like a, like a, 
a double-minded person. One minute I'm all on fire with the scripture, the next minute, you know, I'm judging everybody. I'm throwing shade on everybody. You know, you know, that's being unstable in all our ways. And so he's telling us right there, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. And so everything from the beginning that Christ gave us to live by is what we ought to live, who, living who we are. And he gave us the word right from the beginning. The message has not changed. We may be later in life catching up with it, but now that we've caught up with it, what are we doing with it? The Bible says you take it and hide it in your heart that you don't sin against God. Jeremiah said that word was found. He didn't have it in his heart initially. That's why he wanted to run away and commit suicide and do all kind of crazy stuff. And God intervened and stopped him. You know, took some cold and, and purged his lips so he'll stop talking crazy, acting crazy. Purified him, changed his, his language. So he could go on and prophesy. And he said, I found that word and I did eat it. And it's become a joy and rejoicing to my heart. Okay? Mind was changed. Everything changed. And this is what should happen with us when we find the word. It should, the message should change us because if it changed us, this gives me some confidence that it'll change whoever I share it with. But I can't take the message that changed me, add my little twist and spin to it, put my little acronyms in there, and think it's going to have the same effect on the next hearer. That's what we do a lot of times. We think we got to help the word by adding something to it, mm. making it sound fabulous and wonderful like yeah, look at what I came up with. Look what the Holy Spirit gave me. We're taking it out of context when we do that. We speak the pure, unadulterated, infallible, authentic word of God without adding anything to it or taking anything from it, twisting it to make it sound like what I want it to sound like. See, what it means to you, if you twist it and change it and add to it, it's not going to be the same thing that God meant it for someone else. And so the way it came to you and changed you is the way it ought to go to someone else and change them. Because his word is not coming back void. Not his word with, with, a, with a slice of my word added to it, attached to it. It's not the same. It's not going to have the same effect. Can't change the message. That's why we got to let it stay in us. And he says, uh, your body is a member of Christ. And it's a container for the word of God. If your body is a member of Christ, then guess what? It contains, it should contain, it should be a container that contains the thing of Christ. Mm. The things of Christ should be obvious in my life. Mm. You know, you know, is it, what he's saying. It says, shall I then take the members of Christ? Okay, so every part of your body said members. That means your mouth should have his word in it. Your brain should have his word in it. Your hearing should have his word in it. Your heart should have his word in it. You know, the very fiber, remember the word of God is like a medicine to our flesh. So your flesh should have him in it. You know, it's like marrow to your bones so your bones should have him in it. You know, you should be walking in the, in the gospel of the, of the peace with your feet shot with the preparation of peace. Hell, men of Sabbath. You know, we, 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 we say that, you know, we, we, we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But look at what he says there now, members of Christ, and make them the members of an harlot. God forbid can't serve two masters. You can't be in, the, in this world and do the things of this world with a body that don't belong to you. Belongs to Christ for his purpose, serving his purpose. That's why he divorced, if you read Hosea, that's why he divorced Israel. They wanted to try to serve idols and, and ceremonial gods and 
you know, and all of that and make graven images unto him. And he tells you in the commandments, have no other God before me, make no graven images unto me. You know, your body don't belong to you. It belongs to me. And so we have to let the gospel remain in our members because this is what belongs to God. And he, he sets the tone. He tells you what should go on in your body. If we just pay attention to it and learn, we might make some corrections. We might make some improvements. Um, verse 17 of the, of the first book of Corinthians chapter 6 says this, King James Bible, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Mm. Can't be double-minded. Can't serve two. You're going to hate one, love the other. Mm -hmm. And it's the spirit of God that takes this body of believers and neatly, fitly, rightly joins us together. And we are to continue to be joined together until we come into that statue. And that statue is the way God and the Father, I mean, Jesus and the Father are perfectly aligned. Mm -hmm. Then his body in the earth ought to be perfectly aligned with them until we, we come into the unity of the faith. Meaning I put my faith in the one I'm aligned with. Jesus put his faith in the Father because he was aligned with him. The Father put his faith in the Son to come and reconcile man because he was aligned with him. So he's hoping that we, we come in alignment and agreement with them so that we can all be one. So that when you pray, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it means that they're already aligned. So we got to come into alignment with them. Our thoughts got to agree with their, with their will for us. And to make this possible, he gave us the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of God to help us. A helper, a second helper. Jesus tried to help us to get reconciled back, and he did his part. Then he sent the promise of the Father to bring us even closer. <coughs> Amen. And he said, I'm going to go back now and be there with the Father so I can advocate for you. Once I, I reconciled you back, you got to have some help on both ends. You got to have some help in heaven. You got to have some help here on earth. And I love Emmanuel there with you to continue to bring it back to your remembrance to help you to walk in this straight and narrow path on the way, on your way to the end so you can be saved in the end. Thank you, Lord. So you can endure to the end, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm just going to be your guide. I'm going to be your coach. I'm going to be there to teach you. I'm going to be there to remind you. You know, because he wants to what? Keep you joined unto the Lord in one spirit, one faith, one baptism, one body, many members. And every member has something that they supply to the body that the body may edify itself in love. That's why we have to speak the truth in love without compromise the message that was from the beginning. Okay, let's move on. And, and the next reference scripture is in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 of the King James Bible. Now, we're still talking about letting the gospel remain in us. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin in Christ. So once you get saved, okay, Lord, Lord, it's like a marriage. He says, I have espoused you to one husband, meaning you can't have no other God now. You got to get rid of all those other affections and, and passions and love that you had and love God only. 
Now, I'm not saying that you, if you're married, you shouldn't love your wife or your husband, vice versa, your children. But you don't love nobody on the same level that you love God. Mm. He's preeminent. He's supreme. And sometimes people love people more than they love God. Or they love things more than they love God. They love money. You know, we say it's the God of this world. They put all these things before God. And it seems like somewhere down the path, they'll remember that it all, you know, God, oh, I forgot God. It's sort of like when he healed, you know, the ten, and one of them remembered as they running away to tell everybody how lucky they were. The Bible said one of them remembered and went back and fell down and worshipped him, you know, put his affection on the one who had, had freed them, mm. you know. And so many times we forget to make known our adoration and love toward him. Uh, this is something that I try to keep before us every morning when I come on this line. If some of you know when you hear me pray, that's one of the things I always say. Lord, we come to make known to you our adoration. It's in our prayer rotation if you ever get to pray that prayer. I know Pastor Sharon prayed. I know, I know we pray it all the time because that's something that we want to always say to the Father that we love you, Father. We make known to you our adoration and love this day, that day that you're doing it, you know. And so if you're not doing it, let's do it. Let's always tell the Father. He wants to hear his children tell him, I love you, Father. I love you, Jesus, Son. I love you, Holy Ghost, my helper. We make known to him our adoration and love this day, the very day that I'm in, that I'm living in, that I saw a new day. Just some food for thought there. And he goes on to say there, you know, for I am a jealous God over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband. God has only allowed us to be married to him through Jesus Christ, period. That's for the foundation of the world. That's the message from the beginning. Before he created man, he had already espoused the creation to one husband, which was going to be his son, Jesus Christ. Hadn't even, hadn't even made him, made him, hadn't even sent him yet be, to mm. save the world because there was no need at that time. But it was in God's thinking. It was in God's mind. See, nothing, nothing was done without God already, uh, you know, pre, predetermining that it was going to happen. Mm. So he already made that provision. Out of love, he took care of everything that man was going to need in order to be in a perfect relationship with him. And God didn't make a mistake when he put Adam and Eve in the garden. He wanted to prove that it's not good for man to be without God very long. He's full of evil, which we saw. But God had to prove this. Why He had to give man a chance to prove that he knew God, his creator. And Adam and Eve blew it. And that became a sin on us. But now in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Genesis, it wasn't like that. It was a beautiful relationship blossoming and developing. Mm. And it wasn't until the serpent came and deceived Eve and went against and talked against and convinced them against. Why? They didn't let, she didn't let the gospel message remain in her because Adam didn't let it remain in him. He chilled. He should have told her when she came, said, nope, that's not what God said. That's right. Didn't do it. So we can point fingers at him and do all of that right there, but there's a bigger picture here. It's not good for man to be alone. And they're just talking about without my wife or my, uh, my, my, my wife without her husband. We need God before we need anybody else. That's right. And so many times we put everybody else need, everybody else satisfied, everybody doing for before we do God. And God is the only one that died, sent a son to die. Mm -hmm. Obviously, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Don't ever forget that. 
We're here because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is why we haven't perished. Because we've given our life to him and he deserves all of our allegiance, all of our love. And he's not telling you not to love your wife, your husband, your family, your children. No, he's not saying that. He said, I'm a jealous God over you. I've espoused you to one husband. In the beginning, I did this. Before you ever met your husband or your wife, I had children, started a family, got a job. You know, so we don't want us to lose sight of that. These are the things that are important. Okay, last verse, and then we're going to go to comments. Uh, it's in the book of uh, Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 30, King James Bible. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So he's letting us know right there now who we really belong to. Okay, who we really belong to. And he's saying, because you belong to me, I want to belong to you so that you can be my people because I'm your God. I want to be in you. I want you to remain in me, abide in me, and let me abide in you. And you can't do it if my word, my message, don't remain in you. Because that's what I'm looking at. Is my word hidden in your heart because I'm looking at your heart. And as much as you might say, you have to, you, 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 you have to let God be the one that determines if it's there. Not because you say it. God is looking at our lives. He, he sees it. He sees the fruit that is manifest. He hears what comes out of your mouth. He knows your thoughts are far. He knows our thoughts are far. So just because we say it with such passion and we say it, you know, with such volume and so intensity, God is looking at our heart. He sees what's the content of our heart because that's where the desperate wickedness is. It's in the heart. And we get things by God and we get it, we, we, we get it by people, but we think we've gotten it by God because it sounded so sincere to people. But what about God? So we're going to end right there. Father, we thank you. We praise you this morning for the word. Lord, we just give you the glory. We give it honor. We give you the praise. Help us, Lord God, to be able to continue to pass this test by letting the message of the gospel remain in us, Lord God. It's by this shall men know that we're your disciples. Not so much what we say, but what we live and what we do. And Lord, it's not for us to say, but it's for you to say. And as long as you are pleased, Lord, we'll continue to be kept in perfect peace. We'll continue to thrive and strive and aim to please you in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you for this word right now, God. We thank and praise you that we're able, Lord God, to determine what is right and what is wrong because you have given us the ability to discern these things through your word. And so we're just praying that we just continue to allow your word to sanctify us, to create in us a clean heart and renew within us a right spirit, that we know, God, that you are a jealous God and that we cannot have mixed affections we can't love things more than we love you and people more than we love you. But we put you first and we keep you first. Yes. And your word is in us to help us, to remind us, Lord, that you are preeminent. You are supreme. You are God. And besides you, there is no other. So we thank you. Now seal this word in us, Lord. Let it be, remain in us. Let us keep it in us, Lord. That when we open up our mouth, it comes out of our heart because it's hidden there that we sin not against you not in word or in deed. Seal us now. Seal this word now. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, then. We're going to transition for comments. Amen. We'll start with Pastor Sharon and on to Pastor Eric and Pastor Phoebe and everyone else.
Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my comment today will 